1 Thessalonians. And we'll have to get something. Uh, I've, I've been meaning to. I know the time changes. Let me get something for you poor folks who are being faithful and sitting up close to the front. And the sun is uh, shining upon you. Maybe God is trying to emphasize that this is a faithful crowd. Right? No. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm being a little too spiritual. We do have something. Good. Um, do, do you have, is it, is it somewhere nearby? I really have no clue where it's at. Uh, does anyone know where that's at? No? It's up there. We're just pointing. So, <laughs> uh, if we can't find it for this evening, that's okay. But, uh, you know, we used to have, when I was in Texas, we had a window that was right in the middle uh, in, in uh, the service. And so it would do the same exact thing. And it would get all the people that like to sit right in the end, you know. And, uh, and sometimes, depending on where the sun was setting, it would get those who were sitting off to the side. And we had a, uh, it was a stained glass window, so we had a cardboard cutout that was, looked just like the stained glass. And you just put it cut, cut in just right over that, and you would never even know that it was a window that was back there. And um, so, good. All right. Well, that's what those things are for. Good. We should give you applause, Brother Jason. I appreciate your help with that, okay? And we'll have to search and find which window that it belongs to, okay? Good. Wonderful. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, trying not to let the, the, the uh, men behind the curtains distract you, okay? <laughs> 1 Thessalonians 5, we're continuing and closing our study on the, uh, the subject concerning the day of the Lord, which is at hand. Uh, the Bible tells us in Joel chapter 1, there we go, now you guys can see a little bit, yep, where the Jason's have to readjust his eyes, so. Um, Joel chapter 1 tells us in verse 15, alas! For the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. And in Joel chapter 2, verse 1, we've been emphasizing on that phrase, sound the alarm, for the day of the Lord is nigh at hand. And the Lord cometh, the Bible tells us. And we, as Christians, we've talked about, are to be sounding that alarm. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it really brings this emphasis upon uh, this very subject. And I know we've been reviewing here together, but repetition uh, helps us to learn, Amen. First uh, Thessalonians, I've got to get there. That would be good, and uh, to help us to be able to to begin, uh, we're in First Thessalonians chapter five, and um, looking at verse number uh, one, the Bible says, "But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night." We don't know when Christ will come, but we know that He is coming. That word diligently, or that word perfectly, means diligently. We know without anyone having to tell us, we know without any shadow of a doubt that Christ is returning, that Christ is coming back. And so uh, we see these things. Uh, Brother Tareen, if you could turn this uh, microphone up just a slight bit, just so our nursery can hear good. And that helps our audio to be good on our recordings too. Excellent. First um, Thessalonians uh, 5 and verse number uh, 2, the Bible tells us that he comes as a thief in the night. And he uses the illustration also as travail upon a woman, okay? You can't take the baby and put it back into the womb. When the baby is coming, it's there, right? And uh, you, you can't uh, predict when a thief comes. He wouldn't be a thief if you knew that he was coming. And the Bible says that Christ is returning. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know perfectly that the day is coming. We know that there is a judgment which is coming. And um, uh, the Bible tells us in verse 5 that we are children of light, Verse 6, he tells us, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let's get serious for the things of God. Let's uh, put the emphasis where it should be. Let's let others know about Christ, and, and let's do it by the way in which we live our life. And that's why he goes in this uh, digression of, uh, of these principles, which we can learn as a Christian 
that we should be applying to our lives. In verse um, number uh, 10, 11, let's see, 10 down to verse uh, number 13, actually verse 14, we see concerning our relationships. Remember we talked about the relationships of our, uh, those in authority over us, those that work with us, uh, those who are feeble-minded, those who are weak, those uh, who uh, maybe we don't get along with. The Bible says that we're to be patient toward all men, verse 14, the end of the verse. And in verse 15, the Bible tells us, follow that which is good. With who? With all men. Uh, and that, that is to be our emphasis, to be uh, following that which is good. And uh, we talked about in our relationship with God, we're to be, verse 16, rejoicing evermore. Uh, we're uh, being uh, continually remembering what God is doing in our life and taking that time to rejoice. And then we've talked about uh, the pray without ceasing. That uh, word is, is with the emphasis on being constant in prayer. It's not that we cannot uh, pray all the time, but it's impossible to be praying all the time. We would not uh, be doing anything with life. Uh, the Bible tells us be constant in prayer. We're just keeping God in a relationship with God. It's so the forefront of our mind that we're remembering to pray. Um, the Bible then continues that we're in everything, give thanks. It's an escalation. Remember we talked about as you learn to rejoice, you'll remember to pray. As you learn to rejoice and pray, you're going to give thanks. They come together. They work together. They're applied together. In uh, verse number 19, we talk about the fire which is within us. The Holy Spirit gives us that fire. We're to stoke the fire. We're to keep the fire going. We're not to quench the Holy Spirit. That word quench, remember, has the idea of putting out, dousing out a fire, uh, pouring water upon a, a flame. And you remember that, uh, that fire or that uh, emphasis, as we've talked about, upon quenching not the Spirit, it's speaking, of the very, uh, as it's speaking of the very fire, that quenching or that burning as what is used even as the description of hell itself. And so as that fire can be a, a hot burning, and as we may even use the word, an eternal sense, an eternal fire, the Holy Spirit's going to live there forever until we go to be with Christ in heaven and we receive new bodies. The Bible tells us until that time we have the fire of the Holy Spirit and we must keep it burning. Don't quench it. Then we discussed last week, Despise not prophesying. And we've talked about the slight principle of how that prophecy is no longer. First Corinthians tells us that those things are past. And he brings us to that emphasis uh, that now uh, that we are to be carrying charity and that we're to love others in Christ. And, and the, the Holy Spirit's uh, working as he did in, in the areas of prophesying in the New Testament is not God's way of, of speaking to men anymore. He's now given us the whole word of God. And because we've been given the whole word of God, uh, we are not to despise it. You see, to despise prophesying is to despise God's words. And we discussed last week how the word of God can be despised in the way in which we live our life through a lack of obedience towards it. And tonight we're going to look together uh, in, uh, from verse number 21 down through uh, the end of the chapter. And as we read these verses, uh, you, you, I hope if you take notes, you mark your Bible, maybe mark some of these phrases as we work along. Look at verse number 21, if you would. The Word of God says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that the epistle uh, be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
Amen. And uh, we see the closing of this letter as we would be, as, as you may study in your own time, the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. Paul gives that greeting. He's now closing that greeting from verse 23 and down. But I want you to notice verse 23 because he's really concluding this very thought, tying it all together of what he's just discussed. And he's been speaking to the church. He's speaking to the believers. Look at what the Word of God tells us in verse 23. The Word of God says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, notice this next word, blameless, unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again. Here he begins the chapter saying, The Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. It comes as, a, as, a, as travail upon a woman of birth. The Bible tells us we need to watch. We need to be sober. We need to get serious for God because the day of the Lord is at hand. We, need, we know diligently that God is returning. So therefore, we should be living our life in full and complete obedience to him. And it closes this very idea with saying in closing of his letter, he says, if I were to summarize everything together, Christian, be blameless. Amen? Be blameless. I'm going to talk to you tonight about the blameless Christian. That word blameless uh, has the idea of protecting yourself from anything being said against you. We're not talking about the perfect Christian. As long as we're upon this earth, the Bible says we live in imperfect bodies. We have a sin nature. And all God's people said, amen. If it wasn't for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who died and gave himself for our sins, we would be bound for eternal hell. And all God's people said, Amen. We're thankful for the mercy and the grace of God. We know perfectly the day of the Lord is at hand. He saved us. The Bible says, in all that we know, in all that God has given to us, and in and, and all that God has emphasized for us, we are to be living and striving to live a life that is blameless. In other words, we're protecting ourselves where anything could be said against us. We're protecting ourselves where anything could be said against us. We might even say we're living above reproach. We're living above reproach. Uh, we're, we're thinking before we're doing. Uh, we're thinking before we're speaking. Uh, we're, we're letting God be the one who's leading and directing us. All of these thoughts in this process of which he's bringing in our relationships with others, our relationship with God, and then uh, we see in our uh, relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're not to quench his working. And God's drawing this thought for us. Notice the Bible says, and the very God of peace sanctify you Holy. The idea of sanctifying is, is to uh, be de declared clean or, or uh, uh, righteous before God. And the Bible tells us, as Paul is writing concerning the Christians, he says, may the God of peace, may God who brings all peace, may God who's in control of all things and allows all things to happen, may he sanctify you, that word is given to us, holy. Not holy as in like, holes, okay? Uh, not holy as in spiritual. We're speaking of holy as in fully, <laughs> entirely, completely. How do we live the blameless Christian life? We let the very God of peace sanctify us wholly. That sanctifying holy is speaking of that entirety, we might say, from head to foot, from within to without. In every detail of our life, we're letting God sanctify us wholly. Letting ourselves be blameless before God. You see, the blameless Christian is not because we're concerned about what others would say about us. It's because we're concerned about what others would say about God. 
Amen? You see, the Christian life is not about us. The Christian life is not about what we do. It's about what God can do through us and is doing within us and who we can tell others about Christ himself. And so the Bible tells us, as Christians, let God sanctify you from head to foot entirely in every part, within, without, every part of your life. Let him uh, in, 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 in all of yourself. And that's why he emphasizes. He says, I pray God your whole spirit. And if we were to, uh, for uh, just sake of, of emphasizing what he's bringing, your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be preserved blameless. You realize that when God created us, he created us in that very same sense, spirit, soul, and body. We are three in one in that sense. In fact, we can uh, very much understand the Trinity of Christ uh, that much better in understanding how that God is uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's three in one, not three different uh, beings, but the three different parts we would understand of Christ. And so we understand in our creation, we're created three in one, spirit, soul, and body. The Bible tells us the spirit is the part of man that knows and is capable of reasoning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And so we understand that it is our spirit that's capable of being God-conscious or not God-conscious. It's the spirit, uh, uh, not the Holy Spirit, which we're talking about, but the spirit within our creation that we are, are, works through our conscience and works through our reasoning and our, and our choosing to be obedient to Christ. And the soul, the Bible tells us, this is speaking of our intellect, our emotion, our will. In Mark chapter 14, verse 33 and 34, the Bible says, And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. The Bible tells us as God himself was 100% man, he, uh, in his very soul, his very emotion, his very body was grieved. It, it was not grieved, yet it was tired, okay? Grieved not in the sense of, uh, of, uh, of uh, sor sorrowing of what had happened, but grieved in the sense of it was, um, it was worn. It, it was need to be rested. And the Bible tells us it's our soul, our intellect, emotion, our will, uh, that we understand what God is bringing to us. Every part, holy, spirit, soul, and the body. And we understand that it's the body uh, where the spirit and the soul lives. It's the body where, uh, where God uh, contains it all, where God giving it to us. Um, we chose through our spirit and our soul to sin against God. And God then giving us a new and transformed life in Christ we now can expect and anticipate a new body in Christ Jesus. But it's this body that we're understanding in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is being emphasized. Uh, what know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? In Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, the Bible says, that we, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to present your bodies. He's speaking of the place in which the spirit and the soul dwell. And so you say, why are these things being emphasized? Because as God emphasizes them in Scripture... So we must understand that God is saying in every part of our life, spirit, soul, and body, in our very uh, intellect, in our very emotion, in our very will, in our very spirit, in, in our very body, in the actions which we do with it, may our whole life be sanctified, blameless before God. Amen? The Bible tells us that uh, we are, notice, to be preserved. That word preserved has the idea of to guard or to keep an eye on. 
Uh, I, my mother was never one who did a lot of canning, uh, but there are plenty of people back home in Illinois who did their own fair share of canning. I know we have some canners here. Any people here do canning yourself? Yeah, that's what I figured. I know we got some, some people that like to can. What's the purpose in canning? It, it helps to preserve. Amen? It helps to keep it how it's supposed to be. It helps it to keep it where it tastes good, where it's not going to rot. Uh, it, 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 as that vacuum seal uh, is placed upon those jars or those cans, uh, it helps to keep from that contamination to come within. And God says, as Christian individuals, we're to be preserved blameless, keeping the contamination from coming into our life, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? We're to keep ourselves blameless before Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. In everything that we do, holy, sanctified, blameless before God. Let me, let me just kind of put it to you bluntly. It's living the kind of life where others would not question and say, wait a second, isn't he a Christian? Isn't she a Christian? Wait a second, doesn't she or he attend Community Bible Church? Wait, don't they claim to know God and they're talking that way? Wait, you watch that movie and you say you know Christ. That individual who the finger is not being pointed and said, hey, why, why aren't you living for God? You're living blameless. Once again, I'll remind you, it's not a blameless life for ourselves. It's a blameless life for the very name of God. Amen? The Bible tells us we've been given that new name written down in glory. Uh, and, and as we've been given that name of Christ, we carry his name, Christian, Christian. Uh, we are a part of Christ. Christ lives within us. And so what others should be seeing is not uh, Stephen Miller. They're seeing God. What others are seeing is not Church members is not uh, you at your workplace, you and what you're good at in your skill and your talent and your ability, not you and your favorite sports team, not you and your, uh, and your uh, gifts and abilities of whatever fashion they may be, but may others see us blamelessly, preserved blameless for God. Amen? That nothing would be accused, that nothing would be said against the very name of Christ. And I brought, to you, I brought out to you earlier where the Bible says, unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ unto the very end. We know diligently, we know perfectly that the day of the Lord is at hand. Nobody has to tell us. And so therefore, until the day in which he comes, we're just saying, until the day, all right? Until the day in which Christ returns, the Bible tells us our goal as Christians, believers, should be to live blameless. Amen? You know, the, the, the pastor, as a pastor of a church, the Bible brings out the pastor position or even the deacon themselves that there's to be a blameless testimony. But God doesn't leave the exception for just the spiritual leaders. Amen? It's for every Christian. The Bible says that our whole body, that our whole spirit, that our, that our, our whole being, every part of us, be preserved blameless. So I want to give you some things that characterize the blameless Christian. Number one, the Bible tells us that the blameless Christian is approved by God's word. The blameless Christian is approved by God's word. Look at verse 22, if you would, as he brings this thought into mind of uh, being wholly sanctified. The Bible says in the beginning of verse 22, prove all things. That word prove is a verb, and it's used uh, in, in other ways within Scripture of the idea of testing. We would even use it in the original Greek uh, as, as uh, it would have been used in its language. You would be... Uh, within the um, 
emphasis of testing metals and, and making sure that that is uh, of, of, of the right form. I, I don't, I'm no um, uh, welder. I'm no person that knows anything about metals or uh, the, the melting of that. But the idea of the testing is to making sure that it's, it's of good use, that it's uh, of, of good ability. And, and you may be able to share more on that. But understand the Bible t- is telling us it's a testing idea. We're testing all things. We're proving all things. We're uh, letting everything in life be tested by the Lord. John chapter 7, verse 16. The Bible says, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Listen to this. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. The Bible tells us as Christians, we are to prove all things. Let me bring you to another passage in 1 John, if you want to turn there with me, keeping your finger in 1 Thessalonians. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 1. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Word of God says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Don't misunderstand this verse. There are two kinds of spirits. There are the spirits of God, and there are the spirits that are not of God. There are the things that God is doing, and there are the things that are deceptively thought to be what God is doing or portrayed to be what God is doing, and yet they are not. And so when the Bible tells us that uh, uh, many false prophets are gone out into the world, he's giving us a warning. When God tells us to prove all things, he's saying don't. Let yourself, Christian, be gullible. Don't just believe everything you hear. Just because a man claims to be a man of God doesn't mean that he knows the word of God. (laughs) Just because uh, you hear the preaching, don't just uh, simply believe it. Prove it. Search it. Study it. Confirm it. I've said this before. I'm encouraged by those of you who I know. I can see it even in the pew. You're studying it. You're being sure that what Pastor Miller is saying is actually Bible. Good for you. Keep up the good work. Study the word. Prove, the Bible says, prove all things, everything. Don't let, don't let the false spirits, don't let those things which are false, and, and there are things in this world which uh, are portrayed to be of Christ but are not. And by the way, nothing can truly be false if it doesn't contain a slight bit of truth. And so something doesn't become false until it contains that slight bit of truth to then deceptively uh, bring us into that which is wrong. Let me bring you to another passage along the same line in the book of Jude, just a few pages over. Just before the book of Revelation, the little book of Jude talks about the apostates. An apostate is somebody who appears to be of Christ, someone who sees and knows the message of the truth, but they're turning from it. They're choosing not to live for it. The Bible says in Jude chapter 1, the only chapter in the, in the uh, book, verse 3 and 4, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That uh, uh, word lasciviousness is the idea of shamelessness. So there are men crept in unawares, deceptively uh, Satan uses to deceive 
to destruct, to uh, distort, to distract the Christian uh, from living for God to their fullest. These are these apostates. They appear to be godly, but they're not. They appear to be uh, something of Christ, but they're not. And so when God tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 to prove all things, the Bible is telling us, be aware. Be aware what's, ar- what's around you. Notice the Bible tells us in verse 3 of, of the book of Jude, the Word of God says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. He's telling us that Christians must stand up for their faith, stand up for our salvation. We must be defending our faith, contending, contending for the faith, the Bible tells us. That, the idea of contention, there is, a, uh, there is a battle which is taking place, amen? There is a battle in the Christian life. We must contend. There will be a resistance against the work of God. But the Bible says earnestly contend for the faith. And that understand, that gives us that um, uh, understanding of it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. He says earnestly contend for the faith. We understand as Christians, if we are uh, approving all things, we're contending for Christ. We're letting, it, we're letting that which is truth be known as that which is truth. And not letting ourselves be deceived into that which is not true. Making it clear, speaking out as Christians for what we know to be right. And not letting the dumbing down of Christianity, the dumbing down of God's word, be pushed away from our very Christian lives. The Bible says, earnestly contend for the faith. And we understand as Christians, we stand in contending for the faith. We stand for what is right, knowing that the word of God is true. Uh, knowing that uh, God has, has been raised from the dead. He's no longer dead, but he lives today. Knowing that the gospel or salvation, it changes lives. Knowing that uh, temptation can be resisted. Knowing that uh, as, as a Christian, we should uh, dress in a way that honors God and that pleases God and that signifies Christ. Knowing that the music that we listen to is a music that is pleasing before Christ and lifting his name and all of these things. The Bible says, and our whole body, soul, and spirit, let it be sanctified before God that we would be earnestly contending for the faith, proving all things. Amen? That we're proving all things. And what are we to prove uh, the, the, uh, the word of God or what we know to be true uh, of God? What are we to prove it with? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we know the worst. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And God's word, the Bible tells us, is how every Christian should be proving their life, should be proving their life. So you say, uh, back up a second, Pastor, what are you talking about? The blameless Christian is approved by God's word. As we're living a blameless life before Christ, we're contending for the faith. We know that there are uh, false prophets. We know that there are evil spirits. We know that there is a work that, that portrays itself to be anything other than Christ. The Bible tells us as we contend for the faith, how do we do so? What do we prove our lives by? How are we to be approved, uh, approving our lives by? It's to be by God's word itself. The Bible says it, that the word of God pierces to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. Remember, we just talked about God's greatest body, soul, and spirit. And so as Christians, our whole body, soul, and spirit are to be sanctified before God. The Bible tells us that the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, that's speaking of the body. The Bible says in our body, soul, and spirit, what tests it? 
What proves it? What do we live our life by? What do we, uh, how do we lift the name of Christ? How do we contend for the faith? We do it by the word of God. Amen? Uh, the Bible tells us the blameless Christian life. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So as we live by in obedience to God's word, we approve, we let ourselves uh, be approved by God's word, and we prove it ourselves by the way that we live. The Bible tells us the blameless Christian is one that is approved by God's word. Number two, notice with me, the Bible tells us back in 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, that the blameless Christian embraces that which is good. The blameless Christian embraces that which is good. How can you be more uh, black and white than this? Uh, th there is, there is uh, a clear difference between that which is good and that which is bad. The Bible says, hold fast to that which is good. Hold fast. In other words, God is telling us it's not enough just to prove all things. The Christian must hold on to, hold fast on to what we know to be true, what we know to be right, what we know to be godly, what we know to be how to live the Christian life, which is blindness before Christ. The Bible says, hold fast to that which is good. Don't let the deceitful things of this world creep into your life. Let yourself be preserved, blameless. We're keeping that contamination from coming in. As the seal upon that jar or upon that can would keep the contamination from making that food uh, any longer edible, the, the Bible tells us the Christian is to be preserved blameless, to keep ourselves from the flesh, to keep ourselves from temptation. How? Where? Through the, in, in the body, soul, and spirit, through and by living according to the word of God. Hold fast to that which is good. Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to turn there with me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. The Bible tells us the blameless Christian embraces that which is good. In Hebrews 10, 23, we see this holding fast once again, where the word of God tells us, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without, what's that next word? Wavering. For he is faithful, that promise. I know some of you were still getting there. I'll read it again. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without what? Wavering. For he is faithful, that promised. Just prior to this verse in Hebrews chapter 10, it's telling us to hold uh, fast uh, the, the profession of our faith because he's telling us um, to hold on to our very walk for God. You read the passage, you study it. In fact, we're, we're studying the book of Hebrews together on Wednesday nights. If you want to join us for that, uh, you can. Um, I would encourage you to. I know some of you, most of you already are there, but um, as we study that passage, um, we'll, we'll come to this verse once again. But the Bible tells us, hold fast the profession of our faith. The profession of our faith, our salvation, what God has given to us, that which is good. You realize if you're holding fast onto the salvation which God has given to you, it's going to come with the blameless Christian life. One of the greatest things, I've said this before, that I love about the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. Because as the helmet would surround and protect the mind and the head, uh, the, the Bible tells us it is called that helmet of salvation that the very salvation of Christ would be upon our mind. Amen? That it would be in the forefront of our mind, that we would preserve it that we would not forget that God has saved us, that God has given us a new life in Him. And because of the new life which we have in Christ, 
because of the salvation which God has given to us, uh, we are to hold fast unto it. Hold fast to that which is good. In, in Hebrews 10, in verse 22, look at what the Word of God says. Just prior, as I mentioned to you ago, he's saying, in our walk for God, he says, let us draw near, that is before God. How do we draw near to God? Notice, in genuineness. Let us draw near with a true heart. Let us draw near with a true heart. In other words, it's one that is sincere, one that is honest before God, uh, one that is, uh, when coming before God publicly or personally, we're doing it with sincerity, and we're doing it with a desire to worship God. The Bible tells us, let us draw near before God with a true heart. The blameless Christian, the one who's living a blameless Christian life, is one who's drawing near to God in genuineness, with a true heart. Look as the word continues in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. There it is again. Verse 23, he says, hold fast to the profession of faith. In verse 22, he says, uh, with a true heart, in full assurance of our faith, in full assurance of our salvation. It's the idea of being absolutely certain about something. We're holding fast to it. When we come to God, we're drawing near to him in genuine desire and with confidence. That's what I want you to understand. With genuine desire, sincere honesty before God, and with confidence that what God has given to us, that full assurance of our faith, that salvation, we're doing it with confidence that God has saved us. And I say sometimes the Christian comes before God with the, the lack of that full assurance of faith. It's not that we don't know that we're saved, but we're not letting that be as we come before God, as we draw near before God, we're not letting that become uh, an absolute confidence in our heart. In other words, if we're so confident that God has saved us, our prayer life is going to change. Amen? The way we pray to God, the way, uh, the way we come to Christ. And the Bible says, when you come to Christ, do it with sincerity, do it with honesty, and do it with confidence, knowing that God has saved you. Knowing that God, because you are a Christian, you are a child of God, and he will hear and answer your prayers. The Bible says, in full assurance of the faith. So we're doing it with genuineness. We're doing it with confidence. Notice the third thing he tells us in verse 22 of Hebrews 10. The Bible says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There we get the idea of purity, genuineness, confidence, and purity. The Bible says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies. Body, soul, and spirit. Every part of our life. The Bible says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, the way we live our life, in our bodies, washed with pure water. In other words, the Bible tells us every time we come before God, we should spiritually cleanse ourselves, be pure before Christ. How do we live a blameless Christian life? We embrace that which is good. What is good, according to the Word of God, the Bible says, hold fast to the profession of your faith. He digresses upon that in that verse, which we just looked at in verse 22, in genuineness, in confidence, in purity. That's how we live that blameless Christian life, embracing, embracing I'm struggling with my words tonight, embracing that which is good. The Bible tells us the blameless Christian, not only does he embrace that which is good, not only does he approve uh, his life by the word of God, but number three, a blameless Christian keeps from evil. A blameless Christian keeps from evil. 
If you still have your finger in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 23, or 22 rather, the Bible tells us uh, within that verse, abstain from some appearance of evil. You know what it says? No. From how much? All appearance of evil. This evil is speaking of any kind of wrong behavior. We're not just talking about the evil as in, oh, that, I didn't murder someone. We're not just talking about the evil as in, oh, I didn't steal anything. We're talking about any wrong before God. Uh, uh, abstain from all appearance of evil. Have nothing to do with it. Don't let it become any association or part of your life. That word abstain is speaking of uh, the, the blameless Christian not letting yourself even appear to have sin in your life. Even appear to be uh, less than honest and genuine and pure before God. To not even appear to have any sense of wrong in their body, soul, and spirit. To let it be seen by the way they're living their life that they're wholly sanctified before God. You see how Paul brings all this together? All these verses are so intertwined with one another. Not to bring us a separate subject, but to connect it together as, as one large puzzle, you could say. Yes, they can stand alone as principles, but yet they're all drawing together. Why? Because the day of the Lord is at hand. Because we know perfectly that Christ is coming. And in all that we know in Christ's return, we should be living by, within our lives the blameless Christian who's keeping from all appearance of evil. From all appearance of evil. 1 Peter chapter 2, why don't you turn there with me if you would. 1 Peter chapter 2, and looking in verse number 11. The Bible tells us that every, um, uh, everything that we know Satan to do from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is that evil that we're to abstain from. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Where those fleshly lusts, body, soul, and spirit. The Bible tells us the blameless Christian keeps from evil. We're keeping from those things which will battle against us. Uh, Matthew Henry, you may be familiar with, a very famous commentator, said this, He who is not shy of the appearance of sin, who shuns not the occasions of sin, and who avoids not the temptations and approaches to sin, will no longer abstain from the actual commission of sin. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, the Word of God says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. We're not just talking about a physical fornication. We're talking about not just that, that physical adultery, but a spiritual adultery. Realize that, that adultery is a breaking of a promise. How many times have we broken a promise before God? Amen? We made promises before God. Maybe it was at a revival meeting. Maybe it was back when you would attend church camp. Uh, maybe it was uh, a promise that you made uh, together as husband and wife. Uh, maybe it was a promise that you made individually. Nobody else knew about it between you and the Lord. The Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. It goes right down to even the personal life, what others cannot see, that every part of our life, body, soul, and spirit, is abstaining. The Bible says this is the will of God. Somebody says, what's the will of God for my life? Hey, the will of God begins with your sanctification. 
that you would live holy and blameless before God. God cannot make his will clear to your life until you're first living holy before him, until you're first striving to live the blameless Christian life. And so we understand that the blameless Christian keeps their life pure. They keep from the evil. And, and no Christian should be able to look at anything to go, that should be able to go anywhere or to keep any company with anyone uh, with, with there being any tendency or uh, desire of evil within us. The Bible tells us as a Christian, we should be striving to live blameless before him. I'll read to you again verse 23 of 1 Thessalonians 5. The Bible says, In the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless for how long? Until the coming of Christ. The Bible says, as we see in the beginning of the chapter, the day of the Lord is at hand. Verse 2, we know perfectly that Christ is returning. And until Christ returns, live blameless, Christian. Until Christ returns, verse 6, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Until Christ returns, verse 11, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also, uh, uh, as, uh, even as also ye do. Verse 12, until the, day of Christ uh, until the day that Christ returns, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, that are over you, and admonish you, that we are to know them, the Bible tells us, verse 13, to esteem them, to also be at peace with them. All of those who are laboring with us, they're over us, they're, they're, they admonish us, that is, they rebuke us, until the day that Christ returns, this is to be a part of our life. Verse 14, we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, those that go astray. Comfort the feeble-minded, those who are not confident in their walk with God. Support the weak, those who do not know the Lord, that where you have strength in Christ, you're coming alongside. Be patient toward all men. No, you can't get along with everyone. The Bible says, as much as is possible, be at peace with all men. Sometimes you just can't get along with certain people because they don't want to get along with you. The Bible says, be patient with all men. He continues in verse 15, follow that which is good toward all men. How long? Till when? Until the day that Christ returns. Verse 16 through 18, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For how long? Until the day in Christ returns. Verse 19, quench not the spirit, keep the fire going. For how long? Until the day that Christ returns. And verse number 20, despise not prophesying. Let God's word convict you. Let God's word work in your heart. Don't despise the very words of God. Let it work within your life. For how long should I do that? The Christian says, until the day that Christ returns. Verse 22, the Bible says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Verse 21, hold fast to that which is good. Prove all things. For how long? Until the day that Christ returns. You see, uh, we, we have to understand, Christian, that, the, our, that Paul is not saying that these things are optional. Paul is not saying that these things uh, should be occasional. In verse 6 he says, therefore, because you know the day of the Lord is at hand, don't sleep as others do, but watch and be sober. Get serious about living for God. Hey, Christian, I don't know, uh, I don't know what life that you live before the Lord, but are some of these very principles that Paul brings out to the church, would they be so relevant to you that you would say, you know, I haven't been living my life honestly, genuinely, 
purely before God as I should be. Maybe some of these very things which we've looked at, you'd say, you know, I haven't been giving thanks in all things. I haven't been praying constantly. I haven't been rejoicing evermore. I, I haven't uh, let the, the Holy Spirit have full and complete reign within my life, but I've allowed it to, to, uh, to the fire to go out. I've not been abstaining from all appearance of evil, you may say. You say, I, others have asked me and questioned me as to my honesty before God. God spoke to my heart. Is that you, Christian? When I study this passage, how can I not be challenged? How can you, Christian, not be challenged and encouraged by God's word? The Bible says, therefore, you're children of light. Verse 5, he says, therefore, because you know the day of the Lord is at hand. And all these things that we know, that we as Christians live in obedience to Christ. Joel chapter 2, verse 1, sound the alarm. The alarm is sounded by the way you live your life, not just through your mouth. Yes, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yes, win others to Christ. Amen. Hopefully that's what you're doing to the best of your ability. But God says it doesn't just start and stop with your mouth. Body, soul, and spirit. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. We're closing this kind of study together. And I know we've emphasized upon these things, but for me especially, I know when I, when I see the conclusion that Paul brings us to within this passage, it makes everything, everything makes that much more sense. I wonder if you're here this evening and, say, and you would be honest enough before God, without any raise of hand, this is between you and the Lord, but you say, Lord, I know that I've not been living honestly before you. Christian, if God has spoken to your heart in that way, in a reminder that the day of the Lord is at hand, that you need to be living more honestly before him, would you, do some, would you deal with God right then, there, then and there in your seat? Just talk with the Lord. The Bible says, he's spoken to you about something, you be, you be specific. Get right to the point. What, did God, what, what, what is it in your life that is keeping you from living in obedience to God? Is there something that you've not been abstaining from God tells us, as Christians, live honestly, sincerely, genuinely before God in purity in every part of our life. The blameless Christian is not the perfect Christian. The blameless Christian is the individual who's striving to live body, soul, and spirit in complete obedience to God. Let's take our hymn books, if you would. Turn to number 319. Actually, uh, no, that's fine. Number 319, just as I am. Number 319. Just as I am, this goes right along with our, our passage, number 319. When we come before Christ, may it be just as we are. We're staying seated here for this, this time of invitation. If God has spoken to your heart, let me just challenge you, encourage you. If, if, you, if God has spoken to you, would you come? I know that um, the first response is, well, what, others, what, what, what will others think? Hey, all of us know that the day of the Lord is at hand. All of us know that we can be, do be doing better to live in obedience to God. Maybe by just your very testimony in that blameless Christian life, by your responding to God and praying before Him and saying, God, Lord, help me to stay in obedience to You. Maybe it would so encourage somebody else to step forward in their obedience. Look, it's, it's not about the formality. 
it's, it's about that sincerity, which we just talked about, that honesty before God. Lord, why am I responding? Not just because the pastor is encouraging me to. Because you spoke to me. Because in my response, if you speaking to me, others can see that you're doing a work in my life. The blameless Christian life, let Christ be seen. Christian, if God's spoken to you, I would encourage you, I'm talking to the church choir in that sense. May the, may the altars at Community Bible Church be full of Christian, godly, uh, soul-winning people, faithful people. We're not coming to the altar because we're saying, oh, I'm a sinner. I, I, I can't do anything at all. Uh, y- y- look, the reality of it is, what I'm trying to say is we're not just saying, I, I'm living in open sin. We're saying, God, I know that I have sin. And because I have sin in my life, I need you. If God has spoken to you, would you respond to him? Just stepping right out of your seat. You can sit in the front pew here. You can bow your knee before him. This is a decision between you and the Lord. Let me encourage you, Christian. The blameless Christian life comes right, right down into our testimony with other Christians. Amen? We sing this song, You Let God Speak to You Just As I Am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb. Of God I come, I come. Verse 4, think of these words. Poor wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind. Yea, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. Sing that verse together. Verse 4. Just as I am, poor wretched, blind, Sight riches, healing of the mind. Yea, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be living lives in obedience.